episode 197 of the Parkrun Adventurers podcast is here. My name is Mel. I am coming to you not so live this time as I did last week from the studio in little old Palmwoods. And I'm joined this week by the effervescent Tony O'Connell. Talk, welcome back to the pod. Good evening, Mel. How are you today? Oh, I think I'm like everybody, Talk. I'm, I think the term, the really proper expression for it is discombobulated. That's a very good word for it. And I think we're, we're recording this on the Monday night, but Saturday morning was very much that. And I think there was an overwhelming sense of discombobulation across most of the world. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think our whole global parkrun community, even though half of them were asleep at that time when we were getting up to not parkrun, to, to have our first unparkrun day in 15 years or um, oh, how many years has it been in Australia? Nine, nine years in Australia almost. It's, um, yeah, really weird feeling. Uh, obviously we're jumping right into it. Everything seemed a little bit different last week because the episode was the live recording from Palm 20, which was down in Mount Barker. And it feels like such a long time ago, a completely different world, a completely different situation. It is now, although I'm just trying to think of it as a bit of a park run intermission. It's just a, a short break before we're back on back on the air and the cinema's playing again. Time to go get some popcorn and, and relieve yourself. Yeah, all, all those sorts of things. Go and make a cup of tea or whatever your, your choice may be. We we still have our, our coffee option, so although that's rapidly um, diminishing as well. <laughs> but uh, we can still make a coffee in our own, in our own kitchens and, uh, yeah, have a short intermission and, yeah, knowing that things will be back bigger and better and hopefully brighter and with more tutus than when we left. Exactly. And obviously, if anyone is listening to this podcast, and, and we're hoping there's still a couple of you out there that have got time to fit us into your uh, whatever it's quarantine or self-isolation schedules at the moment, you would be well aware. I, I would be very surprised if we had a single listener who wasn't aware that last weekend Parkrun Global was cancelled in 22 countries and this has never happened in in the um, in the lifetime I guess of of Parkrun of its existence left more than just you and me talk I think feeling a little bit not sure where to go or what to do um, but let's let's go back to that so lots of people did different things trying to uh, find some normalcy or some kind of compromise to fill the void that has been left by a normal parkrun day. I call it unparkrun day because it it reminds me a little bit or, or maybe I'm just feeling a little bit mad hatterish and I like to sing a very happy unparkrun day to people. Um, what, what did you get up to on Saturday? How did you fill the void that was left by not a parkrun in the world to attend? Well, Mel, it, it's, it's almost we went through that big phase of we changed Saturday to parkrun day and unfortunately for the next indefinite period, 
we're going back to Saturday, so we need to reinvent what our Saturday is for a little while. Uh, I went out for a bit of a run with a friend. She was entered in a race, and I was going to pace the last half of the race with her. She was entered in a 100-kilometre trail race, and it got cancelled. But the promoters gave her gave all the runners the option that if you go out and run that distance on the day as a virtual race, they'll send you the the medal and all the goodies. Um, so we went out on a bit of an adventure and she ran her 100 kilometres. I went along for most of the journey. I only did 82K, but we... Only, he says. Ran a bit of a lap of Phillip Island, went and visited the penguins. We went to the koalas. We... We went all over the place, and uh, we managed to start in daylight and finish in daylight. So overall, it was a pretty good day. 82 kilometres. So that would be 16 park runs plus some change. Plus a warm-up or a cool-down. Cool-down. I like cool-down. <laughs> Has anybody sort of mentioned to you, Talk, that perhaps you may have been overcompensating just a little bit for no park run? Oh, yeah, but. It was one of those days and it was one of those things and our original plan was to to get up early and, and drive down to Dandenong that launched a few weeks ago and go and run at Dandenong and then I was going to jump in the car and drive the other direction a couple of hours and and go and pace in the afternoon. So, yeah, when we, we couldn't go to Dandenong in the morning, the, the longer run became a bit of an option. Well, I can't hold it against you. And it sounds like you took in a huge amount of magnificent places to run, especially as it was a trail anyway, and you got to see penguins. Who doesn't need more penguins in their life? I know I do. We went to koalas. We we saw a snake. We run. Oh, I could do without the no probes. <laughs> Danger noodles, not my thing. Yeah, no, nah, nah, it was only a little one. It was a happy one. It was a friendly one. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> and how about you, Mel? How did you fill in your formerly known as Park Run Day Saturday? I got on board with the quiz, the the Park Run big or the big Park Run quiz. I was pretty excited. I'm a fan of quizzes. You may have noticed from the fact that we had a quiz, and we've always had a quiz at the uh, listener meetup. And you you did the scoring for the last one. Uh, thanks, Schultzy, for pointing out that Talk was a bit off with his maths, but it didn't change who won. So Scotty Scotty was very happy to see that he still won. Um, but I digress. Yeah, so I, I took part in the big quiz and it was really fun. I, I, I'm not sure my brain was super sharp at seven o'clock in the morning, but it never really is. However, uh, the boys are going through a phase of being our personal alarm clocks at at 5am or sometimes 4.30am at the moment. So we had been up for a little while anyway. Adam went out for a run. He took, which child did he take? I think he took Wesley. I can't remember, to be honest. He took one of the boys. <laughs> took one and, of the boys. Um, the, yeah, the other one obviously was quiet enough that I could continue with the quiz anyway while they were still around. So, well, See, that's the thing. Quite a lot of people missed the opportunity for the quiz this week because – a lot of people went out and did did their own freedom runs and not necessarily on park run courses. A lot of people just started at their front gate and ran 5K starting at around that 8 o'clock and 
everyone got home to find out there'd been a quiz. Yes, well, the, 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 the fortuitous part about this is that the quiz will be back, I've no doubt. I'm not sure what times or days or if it's going to be every week, um, but people just need to keep an eye on the Parkrun Australia socials or, or just the Parkrun Global socials. They'll have information about the UK one and the US one if there's going to be more of those as well. Um so that that's something to look out for. It was fun. You know what? Um, I, like I said, I wasn't super sharp on the brain and I, I only got seven out of 15 of the questions correct. Some of them were just wild guesses and, and I locked out, but um, some of them I actually did use my brain. However, what I really enjoyed about it was the constant live stream of the participants having a chat in in just the comments feed down the side of the screen, seeing some familiar names and, uh, well, not faces so much, but names and people commenting and, and being able to interact with them. It was like being at a virtual park run and, and catching up with some people that you didn't expect to see and others that you did expect to see and just having a chat while um, the questions were sort of going on as well in the background. So highly recommended if anyone did miss it and or didn't know about it and wants to check it out next time definitely go and do it uh, it was it was a lot of fun and I will be back doing likewise again I do like that so many people went out for virtual runs or you know just solo runs or non-flocking that's a <laughs> I, I like the hashtag no flocking it's it's a very good rule at the moment. And I also like to use the term physical distancing as opposed to social distancing, because I don't think keeping our distance from people should mean we don't also socialize with people. It's it's not mutually exclusive. Uh, but y- you know what my hot tip is, Talk in, in, this, in this whole mess that is the coronavirus? What's that, Mel? People not getting to go to their normal park runs, or even if they were planning adventures, etc., and just you know, choosing to run somewhere more local or just different and and in different ways, shapes and forms. Lots of people are saying, oh, yeah, you know, there's going to be all these new babies in nine months' time. It's like, well, you know, we still have electricity. It's not like there's been a blackout (laughs) and and people have nothing better to do. Netflix still exists. So I'm not sure people are on the money with the babies thing. Uh, However. Let's see what happens when it comes to lockdown. Well, yeah, we'll see. And I'm sure that's coming. But. What I am predicting is that there are going to be new parkrun babies, as in there are going to be new events popping up out of this. People are going to run places and go, actually, why isn't this a parkrun course? This is really good. It's got this, 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 and this. And that's my hot tip. There's going to be new parkrun events. That'd be really cool to see some something positive come out of it too, wouldn't it? Absolutely. How, how cool would it be to see a whole whole range of new events that like you said, people haven't even considered the course and people will jump in a car and drive to a park run and run it. And they're probably driving past some spectacular courses. So yeah, this might give people the opportunity to get out and explore a little bit and actually find a few new places. I certainly hope they do. And back back on the quiz there, the, the funny thing I found about the quiz was with the three versions worldwide, there were people that were listening to it on the YouTube but getting the question sheet from the the wrong world event. And so listening <laughs> to the questions from one place and getting the answer sheet from the other and just it wasn't making sense and it wasn't gelling for them. Uh, I did see that, yes. I um, Obviously that was not a problem we had here in Australia because 
we started out. <laughs> um, <laughs> while we're talking about UK uh, Aussie differences, and I know you mentioned Dandenong Parkrun before, Nicola mentioned Dandenong in the podcast in With Me Now podcast a few weeks ago, and I, gosh, I had such a giggle about it because she felt the need to use <laughs> Uh, to to say it with the Aussie accent. And Nicola, if you're listening, you are bang on and it gave me such a big grin and a giggle to listen to you saying it. Uh, so thank you for honouring the pronunciation of where the event actually is. And and even though we both speak the same language to use the accent, I thought you did a great job. Keep it up. It was, was pretty cool, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. And Mel, I know I did a reasonably long run on the weekend, but You've had a chat with a bloke from over in WA that's had an incredible adventure and his run makes mine look terribly short. Um, Take it away with the interview. I'm joined now by a parkrun adventurer who goes a little bit to the extremes on his commute to a parkrun. A couple of weeks ago on the 22nd of February, he ran his slowest ever parkrun, but it was a new one. It was the first visit to Mount Clarence. And his name is John Penzi. John, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. Thanks, Mel. Great to be here. And um, yeah, really appreciate being able to share some of my experience and uh, my warm up into my Mount Clarence Parkrun. So although the, probably the slowest time I've run, <laughs> uh, it was quite an epic adventure, I guess, as to what took me to that place. It was. So please, let's hear about your warm up. Um, I guess, so the race that led to Mount Clarence was a 200-mile race, one of um, WA's newest uh, ultra distances. Um, as part of um, Ultra Series WA, they put on this, a race called the Delirious West. So the actual distance is about 350 kilometres. So in the, in the ultra scene, I guess, they always add on a few extra kilometres, give or take. And in this case, it's about 30 kilometres extra on top of the 200 miles if that wasn't enough. So it's on most of it's on the uh, Bibbulmun Track, which is um, southwest coast of Western Australia, on um, starting in a town called Northcliffe and then finishing up in Albany. So it's quite a long distance, I guess. Uh, and because the race started on a Wednesday at seven o'clock in the morning, I did have the intention that if I, as long as I finished in time by Saturday eight o'clock, then that would mean I would be um, pretty much locked in to do the Mount Clarence parkrun being the uh, closest parkrun to the finish line. So I guess that was the uh, the carrot dangling in front of me because the official uh, race finish time was Sunday 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So just depending how the race unfolded. Um, and I guess at one stage I did try and slow myself down to give myself the excuse not to um, make the start line at Mount Clarence. <laughs> But unfortunately, I did get my running legs back and I did finish about five o'clock in the morning on Saturday. So no excuse not to, to turn up and do uh, the local park run there, which Bill Irving's the uh, director of. So Bill Irving is actually the race director of the Delirious West as well, along with Jeff Hansen and Sean Keisler, isn't he? Yeah, so I guess the distance being such a logistical nightmare, 350 kilometres, Sean in, uh, enrolled Jeff and Bill to help him along to manage the event and give him Bill's a local um, at the finish line the Albany. Um, Bill knows all the ins and outs of the local uh, the local Bibbulmun track there and um, really adds just the um, professionalism 
for the overall event and the experience that they can put on for each um, race participant. So let's talk about the track. What kind of terrain uh, are we talking about here? So the terrain itself, I was um, unsure exactly what I was getting myself into. I knew there was going to be a fair bit of sand, but the extent of the, the sand, I guess, was uh, every colour you can imagine. And it didn't matter if you were close to the coastline or inland, there was just sand everywhere. So <laughs> probably 95% of the, the whole track was just covered in sand. So soft sand, hard sand, you got beaches, dunes, um, there was some wetlands, river crossings. There's, you also run through the forest, the carry forest, giant tingle trees, the, you do the uh, treetop walk. So it just it changes, it's so diverse and um, the whole 350 kilometres, is, um, there's always something different, I guess, that you're always keeping an eye out for. And the, the snakes and the kangaroos, yeah. I never got bored by looking at the scenery, I guess. So I did have an intention at one point to listen to like an MP3 player. Um, but never got it out of my out of my gear, I guess. So I didn't feel the need for it just because there was so much happening out there in, in the um, on the nature's paths. Um, I guess that's part of the reason as well I entered just that tranquility and the, the peacefulness of such a distance, um, just that inner calmness, I guess, which you really need to draw on if you're going to be running this sort of distance. You talk about the tranquility. It took you a little bit over 70 hours to complete the event and you slept for less than four hours over that three days. Do you think part of the tranquility might have been brought on by the zen of not having slept? Uh, a bit of both really, I guess. So I did talk to other people in the race and they had a lot less sleep than me, probably one or two hours. And some people were only having five or ten minutes sleeps at a time. So I guess... For those people, they were just in a constant fatigue uh, spiral, downward spiral, whereas my sleeps were more like 45 minutes to just over an hour. So I had four sleeps in total, so roughly the four hours. But each time I woke up from that one-hour sleep, basically it felt like I'd gone through a whole um, sleep cycle. And once I'd woken up, I was just refreshed, ready to go again. So I've sort of never got to that um, hallucination stage, I guess, where you just constantly having those um, micro sleeps along the way. So it wasn't unknown as to how much sleep I would need, but once I was out there doing it, sort of found what worked for me roughly every, probably every 15 or 16 hours, roughly about 45 minutes to an hour sleep for that 70 hours there. All right, so you, you talk about unknowns and you've mentioned a couple of them so far. Coming into the race, what kind of preparation do you do to get ready what's your longest distance for example and and how do you actually prepare for something this epic well my normal year or week by week training is just marathon based training i guess so normally i run four or five marathons a year and i'm sort of averaging around 130 to 140 kilometers a week and because i do race so much during the year my long run is basically a race whether that's a marathon or maybe a Normally my ultra running is normally capped at around 50 kilometres or 100 kilometres, but I'd normally only race that a couple of times a year. So I guess the longest single distance I'd run going into the 200 mile was a 12-hour uh, timed race, probably Easter 2019. And in that 12 hours, I'd covered 142 kilometres. So that was the single, single longest run I'd ever um, done to that point in time. But 
done a handful of the 100 kilometer distances and then probably another five or six 50 kilometers and I've, I think I've done about 65 marathons over 15 years so I've got lot of endurance base anyway and so leading into the 200 mile race I thought for me I don't need to do a lot of extra kilometers because the 130 140 seemed to be pretty good distance and it was more about running on tired legs so I'd often run two or three times in a day and most of that those runs were just easy runs just getting used to time on feet and backing up um, every few hours or say the morning lunchtime afternoon so not that a few hours break in between each run and that was sort of um, the extent of my training I guess I did a couple of um, longer blocks in the lead up to delirious so I actually had two overnight runs each was about 100 kilometers and then that one was in November and one was in December one was on the trails so a night trail run so it's quite different to running during the day so I wanted to do one trail run just to experience what it's like um, and then my other set of training block was I did a five times 50 kilometers within a two-day period so I guess that was that was quite a brutal training session to get through that but it really did set me up to what I could expect come the 200 mile race. Okay so the five by 50k within two days that sort of makes sense to me but just you know, throwing it out there that oh, you did a couple of 100K runs or whatever and that's still a massive jump to 200 miles. Like how How is your headspace with thinking, okay, I just ran 100K, I'm absolutely knackered at the end of that but I, I could just go do it two more times or, or do it, well, yeah, two more times back to back essentially. It's just I cannot wrap my brain around it. How do you mentally prepare and, and how do you get in the mindset that that's physically doable even though you've not done anything close to that? Well, I've been chatting to a lot of people over the last probably six to 12 months, I guess, people who've been there and done it before, and a lot of people had said running a 200-mile distance is actually easier than a 100-mile distance. So whether that's true or not, and I've never done a 100-mile race before, but from the people saying the 200 miles easier I thought I will I guess the main point is that it's over uh, quite a few nights so whereas a 100 mile race you sort of I imagine you'd be doing it within a probably a 24 to 35 hour period whereas the 200 mile race it's over four and a half days for the cutoff and I was expecting to finish in probably just over two days just depending how the race unfolded but it is such a long way that you can't expect to run 100% of the time. So you do have to set yourself up to be prepared to put in some long uh, hiking sections just to break it up, I guess. So some of the harder sections, um, you know, you're going to be substantially slower than what you might normally run at, I guess. So it's, it's more a long hike, but having an endurance base behind you gives you the confidence knowing that you've done a lot harder faster races it just means you're going to be having more sleeps so I, I thought of it as more of a stage race I guess where each time you've had a sleep then you're set up for the next stage and so I sort of broke it down into probably 100 kilometer segments and so I didn't think of it as the full 350 kilometer race I sort of tried breaking it up and just made it easier to um, be able to get through it mentally I guess because that's probably 80% of the race is mental approach and how how you how strong you are and what you can push through and your 
your perseverance and how stubborn you are, I guess, that you're not going to give up and that you're just going to keep moving forwards one step after the next. So mentally, you definitely have to have a right headspace in order to get through a race of this distance. And I guess over the years, because I've been running marathons for 15 years, marathon and just normal training is my everyday escape, I guess, where you can just zone out, you're chilled, you're just um, relaxed in the moment. And then when you find your happy space, I guess, hours or um, time just flies by, I guess. I really wanted to find that place in the race and I was hoping it would come, but you're not guaranteed, I guess. So the points in the race, hours would just fly by. And um, I think I remember looking at my, my watch and it was about probably about 25 hours. And then I think the next time I looked at my watch, it was probably a good 40 or 45 hours. So probably 20 hours had passed, I guess, without really giving it two thoughts. Except I'm assuming you charged your watch in that time. <laughs> well, that was the one thing I had to make sure that I could record it as a single run, I guess. So on my uh, Garmin Phoenix, I did have a, a power bank that I carried. And then I, you know, I had to charge up four times during the run because uh, the watch would get down to probably 25%. Plug it in just to the portable USB charger. Probably an hour later, I'll get up to about 90%. And then it was good for another probably 15 hours or so. So I only had to charge up about four times. And two of those times was while I was, I was sleeping. So twice while I was running. But it did work out. So, And I got towards the end of the race and I wanted to ditch everything that was um, that I didn't need anymore. So the power bank was ditched. And then, and then I did, it was a longer section, the, the, the probably the last 50 kilometres. So I think I got down to about 15% battery life. And that sort of pushed me going to make sure I finished before um, it packed it in. So I just made it before the cutoff there and um, hit the save button on the finish line. So. Yeah, you don't want to lose the whole activity <laughs> just because you're dropping some unnecessary weight. Did you chuck the MP3 out too, those oh, extra was, 15 was, grams? Yeah, well, that was with my support crew. So I, we had the car travelling along at the aid stations and I sort of had my essential gear that in a box, like probably um, seven or eight boxes, I guess, just everything I could think of that I might need. And so that was in the car. And so it was just as a, I didn't, wasn't carrying that with me. So it never came on that I had to carry that. Okay. So you've got eight boxes in a car. What is the randomest item that you took just in case, but you didn't actually use? Oh, uh, well, okay. First of all, the, the one item that was random that I've never used that was probably the most useful item was a set of running poles. So I had these, um, I won some running poles last year in um, one of the races I did, Margaret River Ultra, um, but they've been sitting in my garage for 12 months and I, I'm normally a road runner, so I, nearly, I never really bring out, I'm never going to use poles, I guess, but um, I thought I'd better put them in the car just in case I need to use them. So probably hit about... 270 kilometers into the race and I'm thinking my legs are getting quite heavy and my support crew actually pulled out a couple of um, stick branches off the side of the road and he said oh, John let's try these out first before you get your poles just to get and try and get the technique down pat because at that stage I didn't want to carry my poles and five kilometers later um, ditch them like I didn't want to have to resort to be carrying them if, I, if they weren't helpful so we practiced with the uh, the sticks and they were, they were fantastic. So come the next aid station, it's like, all right, give me my proper running poles now. So the first time I'd actually used them was in the race. So that was one piece that I thought I wouldn't need to use. 
and they were probably the lifesaver in the end just at that stage of the race. Something else probably that I didn't use, I probably packed, uh, packed 40 up and goes, like the milk drinks. And I think I probably only used about three or four of them. So that's probably so, a, yeah. So I'm, you're good for breakfasts for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, the kids have them. They're in the fridge. So I can't get rid of them now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've been a little bit humble and we haven't actually mentioned yet, or you, you've sort of alluded to podium finish, but you actually finished first, which is pretty all right, you know, for a little 200-mile jog slash walk slash hike slash run how does it all start what's the atmosphere like what are the first few steps how do you take those first few steps I mean you obviously didn't know necessarily that you would come first I'm sure everybody is on the start line has those hopes those random hopes yeah definitely so there's probably at least 10 people on the starting line all different levels of experience as to all have the potential to win or podium the race, I guess. And looking back, I guess for my race, I started off at my 100 kilometer race pace, which is comfortable for me, I guess, but come probably about 130, 140 kilometers into the race, my legs started um, getting quite fatigued, I guess, and I was starting to approach longer than my longest single run of 12 hours. So I probably hit about 23, 24 hours into the race which is twice the amount of time my previous longest run, and the body was starting to just give up, I guess. So I did have the intention to just run as well as I can, and where I would end up would be, depends how everyone else's races go as well. But looking back, the real race didn't start until day three, so probably about 50 hours into the run, and that's where the real race started unfolding, I guess, as to how people had positioned themselves and how people had set themselves up, knowing that they still had another probably good 20 hours left and probably about another 100, 120 kilometres left to go in the race. So I guess there was always about four or five people in contention, I guess. And I, when I had my rough patch doing my extended walk break, I was probably down to sixth or seventh place. But once my running legs came back, towards the end of day two on the overnight section, I was starting to run people down. And I guess that's where my road running background came in, um, that I was quite strong and able to just get back onto a normal, like my comfortable 100K race pace. So I, I was hopeful that I could run well, but I also came into the race with a slight knee injury. So that sort of pushed me back a little bit into more... Um, I couldn't get all the training I wanted to get in. So whether that was a, a blessing in disguise, I guess, uh, having about three, four weeks of rest time. So probably, it was probably about two or three weeks before the race day where my knee came good, that I wasn't have any, having any tightness in the knee. And so that was one, one uh, unknown, I guess, as to how the knee would hold up, as to how competitive I could be over such a long distance. Okay, now... Ultras and, and trail runs in general have a, a real reputation for a completely di different atmosphere to a lot of running, uh, road running races. I understand this one had its own warm-up of sorts in the Bogan Keg run. Can you tell us or explain a little bit how that works? Yeah, sure. I guess part of the, um, the race itself attracts quite a few international runners. 
well, the day before the race kicks off for all the support crew and there's um, a lot of paces that help support people. So the day before it's a social event where it's an Australian sort of tradition, I guess, and most people would have heard of the beer mile, but this one is slightly different being the co uh, the beer keg run where you start off drink. I didn't actually take part in this as well, by the way, <laughs> but my... Um, my support crew, Peter, he did take part in you know, winning the race. But basically, you start off with a drink. Um, can be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Uh, you neck it down as quick as you can, and then you, you pick up an empty uh, keg. Once you've finished necking your, your drink of choice, um, you then pick up the empty keg and you run 1.6 kilometres. So it's an out and back loop. When you get to the end point, you then drink another drink and then you drop your keg at that point and you return back to the start line. And the other, probably just a slight twist, if you, you can choose not to start with a keg. So when you get to the end point, that you then have to return carrying a keg. So there are strategies involved as would you rather carry a keg on the way out or on the way back? So that was just a bit of lighthearted um, Australian humour, I guess, and just a good way to start the event the night before the race or in the afternoon. Get everybody excited for it. Oh, definitely. So Sean, uh, Jeff and Bill, the race directors, get everyone, uh, just get everyone worked up, I guess. And, um, yeah, it's really kicks off the whole weekend or the whole race week. So it's um, definitely a tradition that will be continued. Let's go back to parkrun. You have been parkrunning uh since 2014 so roughly roughly my first one yeah roughly about five years and you over that time you've done 72 different uh 72 park runs at 28 different events so you're a bit of a an adventurer i noticed you've been to the home of park run in australia you've done main beach park run but the rest look like they might all be in wa most of them i am trying to tick off all the wa ones i think i've got about three metropolitan ones left and then the regional ones as well. That's part of the reason why I did Mount Clarence because um, it's probably a good five-and-a-half-hour drive from Perth. So I thought it's a good way to tick it off. Don't worry about the time. Just finish it and tick it off. So that was um, it was a high incentive for me to finish and then go and do that as well. And you had your barcode packed in amongst <laughs> those eight boxes in well, the back of the car? Yeah, well, the barcode was attached on my um, – on the uh, – on the, the, the car uh, keys, I guess. So as long as we had the keys for the car, we had the barcode. So that was that. Uh, I wasn't going to lose that one. So I didn't want to carry it with me just in case I lost it. But as long as the car was driving and we didn't, like my support crew didn't lose the keys, then we were good to go. Very glad to hear it. After such a long warm up, it would have been a massive pity to have left your barcode at home. John, thank you very much for joining us this week and sharing all your adventures and congratulations on winning your very first 200 miler. Thanks, Mel. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for taking the time out to have a chat. Oh, Mel, that was an awesome interview with John. It was uh, really interesting to hear it 
from someone at the pointy end. I know a couple of the people that I know that went over and did the same race. And it's interesting, you know, that there's a boat ride in the middle where if you miss it, you've got to wait for an hour and that adds on to your run time. It's interesting. We had one of the run directors from Parkville, Nicole Vaughan, running the event. So there's a number of park run connections there. Uh, really great to hear about a race. And that's just awesome. 340 kilometres. I'm I'm tired even reading those numbers. So, yeah, well done to everyone that finished. <laughs> yeah, they well, they all absolutely, especially John in particular, put me to shame because that particular weekend on the 22nd of February, we missed Park Run because we had a shocking night of not great sleep with the boys. However, John had just been running for X amount of hours over 340 plus kilometres and still managed to drag his behind along to Mount Clarence Park Run. So I did feel a, a, a slight case of ashamed of myself <laughs> for not being it able It was to. only a couple of hours after he finished too. Like you'd finish that and you'd either be eating for a week or you'd be sleeping for a week. Yeah, I, I would be passed out, absolutely. I'm not sure I'd have the energy for the eating part. doesn't inspire me to want to do it. I'm, I'm getting very fond of sleep and I've gone without a lot of it for a very long time now so when i eventually do get it back i don't think i'll be giving that up anytime soon yeah i think that those sort of races uh, you listen to kirsten mapleston who was the the last finisher on the day and she talks about hitting spiders webs and that in the middle of the night and spiders on the face and seeing snakes everywhere and not wanting to lay down because there were snakes on the ground i just yeah, no, I'll stick with what I do. Stick with Parkrun. <laughs> it's 5Ks and then you go have coffee and cake. How much better could you want? Exactly. And moving along, we've we've got a number of reports this week, Mel. We do. We Yeah, we've got quite the backlog, which sort of dates back to Leap Year Day Parkrun because we had a live recording episode and I also took the week off in the lead up to that to travel down to said live recording location and uh, get prepared for it. So all of a sudden we find ourselves almost four weeks later and yes, so we've got some roving reports that we still don't want to go without, so we're going to play them anyway. Let's jump into them and have a listen. Howdy Parkrunners, Talk reporting in for the Channel 5 News crew. Today we've ventured up to a town in central Victoria to what I'm calling the Harry Potter Park Run. This is the park run that must not be named yet. More details to come after our run. Cheers, guys. Howdy, park runners. We're finished the Harry Potter Park Run and we can reveal its name now. It's the Bendigo Botanic Garden Park Run in Bendigo. So it's one of the new soft launches that we're trying to achieve and it's gone off really well. It has been an absolute cracker of a day up here. I'm sitting here with Belinda. We're in the coffee shop afterwards. You can probably hear the coffee machine in the background. And uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat. So, Belinda, what did you think of today? How did it all go? It went really well. It was a really successful launch. And for the launches I've been to recently, it's, um, I think you had 130, 140? 137, I think it was. Yeah. And it was just a perfect number for a launch. It was a really good little close-knit crowd. Obviously, a lot of people know everyone or already but you had a good sprinkling of new people to park run as well yeah we did yeah there was quite a few new people which was great and tourists yeah. there's been rumors of a park second park run in bendigo now for oh, about four years so it's Roughly good to see that, it come yes. up <laughs> yeah good 
and uh, give us a bit of a description of your course. Our course is a nice flat along the creek, out, out and back, and with it's, a it's slight nice. incline. <laughs> oh, it felt pretty flat. Yeah. And um, for the uh, listeners at home, you've got a bridge at the start that you cross twice, so... Yes, yes. You, you come out of the gardens, you turn left and up over the bridge, pedestrian bridge, and then turn right out to the turnaround point, come back, turn left over the bridge, then right, back into the gardens yeah. and you finish in the in the beautiful um, Bendigo Gardens of the future. And it is a beautiful set of gardens and you've got every facility known to man at the gardens. You've got toilets, you've got shelter, you've got car parks, you've got everything. It's a beautiful spot for park run. Yes, we do. It's, um, it's a great area. You've got even a area in the middle for the kids to run around and play and they won't get hurt. And uh, Linda, how did you come to get involved in setting up a park run? <laughs> um, no one else would do it. <laughs> Basically, the old roped in, roped in example again. Pretty much, no. We live really close by, and we could see the potential. So yeah, it was just a natural progression. And so you've had a little bit of involvement with park run, have you? Yeah, yeah. We've we went to the first Kennington Reservoir Park Run. Yep. Um, and we've been there ever since. And you guys in Bendigo, you're really great at launching park runs on days with other park run launches in the state. So you uh, get that smaller number. It's um, the second two for two so far. Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah. It's not planned. <laughs> not much. <laughs> no, that was really good. All right, Belinda, we might wrap it up there, but uh, we're sitting up here in the Vibe Street Eats. Street Eats, and uh, I've just had breakfast, and it's been one of the best breakfasts I've had. It was really yummy. The coffee's really great. So I think you've scored a park run with the lot. Well done. Oh, I think so. I think so. Thank you All very right. much. Well, good luck with the ongoing success of Bendigo Botanic Gardens. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's Cameron here from bright and beautiful WA. And let me tell you, it certainly is bright and beautiful today weather certainly has turned it on for us and it's a beautiful day for park running. Now instead of telling you where I am and telling you all about it, I'm going to tell you all about the place that I'm at today and see if you can guess where I am. Now I'll start with the most obscure clues first, work my way from there. Uh, this park run is where I started my very first park run back in late 2015 and as it so happened I was also very late to start and since then I've completed over 100 park runs here. Uh, what else? Ah, yes, this park run takes its name from the surrounding suburb in which it's in, rather than where it starts. So that's something interesting. Uh, I'm led to believe that this is the second oldest park run in WA and averages somewhere between three and 400 people every week. So that's a pretty good turnout. What else? Ah yes, there is an interesting pub in the suburb that takes its name from the suburb and puts a bit of a spin or twist on it and it's called the Swinging Pig and that's, that pretty much gives it away to the locals but for everyone else playing uh, if you sail the seven seas in WA or wherever you'll need one last R. yeah that means it starts with R Alright, so for those who like to double check their answers, I am of course at 
Rockingham Park Run on the beautiful Rockingham foreshore. This park run is a two and a half kilometre out and back which runs just about on the beach. You can literally, literally throw something, even underarm it, just to the beach and it'll probably hit the waves. Which is both good and bad because in winter <laughs> the white caps can actually sometimes get up on the path which is really really fun. Well enough of my chin wagging, let's go talk to someone else. G'day everyone, I'm here with Eddie who is the run director today. G'day. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, apart from being run down under day at Park Run, it is also a leap day. What leaping festivities do we have planned at Rockingham today? Um, we have lots of uh, energetic dogs. Dogs? Yes. Who leap? Yes. And people? Um, hopefully, maybe there's a few PBs to be had out on the course today. Fantastic. Well, that is great to hear. Thank you very much, Ed, and I'll see you out in the course. Thank you very much. G'day, everyone. I'm here with a couple of people who end up at the pointy end of the field. What's your name and where are you from? Uh, it's Mike. I'm from uh, Baldivers, but I'm originally from uh, Swindon in the UK. Oh, same here, except for the Swindon part. <laughs> I'm uh, Daniel from Shoalwater. Cool. No? I'm Jeff, and I'm from um, Rockingham. Up to you, buddy. Oh, okay. uh, I'm Corey, and I'm from Medina. Cool. So, fellas, what's the secret to finishing first? Anyone? Uh, just hard work during the week for me. I like to do a lot of training if I can, so I try to start doing a bit of interval training, um, which really seemed to help and improve my time, so um, it seems to be paying off a little bit. Brilliant. How is it that you're so fast, sir? Uh, at the moment, I'm not doing too well at the moment. I don't know why. But, uh, yeah, just running, 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 running all the way through the week. Running. That's it, you've got to keep running. That seems to be the common trend. Now tell me, was it the shoes or was it all you, buddy? Oh, it was the shoes. It's the shoes? Yeah. Seriously, without are, the are shoes, those spanky, spanky ones with the springs and the motors and uh, the, the jet engines? Yeah, without the shoes I would be um, you would have 500, here, 1,500 metres back. So. Yowzers, so that's a, at least a 35% improvement on yes. performance. That's brilliant, I'm going to get me some of those. Do I have to mortgage my house for a second time for it? Yeah. Oh God, okay. Sir, Thank what's the secret you. to going fast? Um, hard work, training. I was hoping for a different answer. No, that's it. <laughs> training and having fun. Now, sandals, tell me all about those. Um, this guy here, he thinks he's Jesus. Okay, Jesus, what about the sandals? Well, you can get them from Kmart in Rockingham if you're interested. I've been there before, all once. All you got to do is cut off a bit of thong to jack up the hill, and that'll, that'll just propel you forward, like even better than those ones. Hey. Do, do you have to build your own spring into it or what? They, they, they should be in the legs, even at our age. What? Uh, spring in the legs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no mechanical advantage on these bad boys. Well, well, there's a lot of airflow. Well, that's good. And I mean, I need light. it. Do you feel that? How light is that? I mean, that's light. That is light. That's brilliant. It is. And so Jeff is the best runner at Rockingham, and he recommends them. Do you have to wear socks with them? I find that I tend to slip around a bit in socks, and then they look a bit geeky. It's all about image. Unless you got cool socks like me. Exactly. And, and, and I love the socks. I've got a woman. pair like that, except they're rainbow all the way out the top. Yes. They're cool. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you again some stage, maybe even at Baldivis. Hey, what up? It's the K-Man here with Action Man. And it is Gorilla Tourism. Yes, we're at the Tuggerong Park Run. It is a nice something degree day 
and it's last day of summer last day of summer and it is the 29th which uh is a bit of a celebration because you've got to wait what like to 28 years i believe that's what we were told yeah so 2048 where you're going to be saturn i want to say i want to say saturn hey this is um action man giving you some action here at Tuggerong Park Run. Tuggerong Park Run, talking to my good friend. Jonathan. Who is one of the volunteers. I'm marshalling this time, yeah. I'm standing on a corner near the gorgeous Tuggerong Lake, watching runners and walkers go by, having a beautiful time on a beautiful day. Just behind us, you might be able to hear uh, some martial arts happening in the background, which is just creating that extra colour that you often need around a lakeside. Oh, here comes some runners. Good running. Well done. Keep going. Power on! Yeah. That's what we like to see. Thank you very much. <laughs> Pleasure. We need, to go we need to go find some gorillas now. Quick, quick. My next people to interview here at Tuggerong Park Run are well. Um, anyway, we don't need we don't need your real names. You can just say you know, Batman. That's cool. Or Batgirl and Wonder Woman, right? Oh yes, Taroja the Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> How long have you guys been um, park running for? Uh, around six or a little bit over. Uh, around six years. Six years, that's a yeah. good effort. And where are the different park runs that you guys have gone to? <laughs> mainly Tuggeranong because I love it. Which one, have you been to any others? Yeah, mainly in Tuggeranong because I live nearby. Mm -hmm. So you guys like to keep it local, keep the community up and running? Yeah, good job, guys. What about um, volunteering? Have you guys volunteered much? Yes, about six times, six, seven times, yeah. Along six times. <laughs> Do you guys always volunteer together? Uh, no, the first time. <laughs> this is the first time actually we are doing it together. What is your favourite role in volunteering? The one we are doing now, tail walking. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, this is my, yeah. Oh, awesome. All right, well, I guess we'll leave you to continue tail walking, making sure everyone is safe. Thank you very much. How long have you been park running for, sir? Uh, May last year. May last year, cool. Cool. Um, number 18. Number 18, awesome. Lucky number 18, right? Um, what is your, is this the only park run you've done? Two others. Oh, two others? In Canberra or no? Adelaide. Adelaide. Orange. And orange. The infamous O. O is a hard letters to get on the alphabet score. That's a tip. <laughs> Go to orange. <laughs> That's your tip. Okay. Yep. What's your favorite thing about parkrun? Is this your home parkrun? Yeah. Yep. What's your favorite thing about Tuggerong parkrun? Uh, challenge. The challenge? All right. Good option. All right. Well, um, I think that's all our questions for today. Thanks. Have a great day. <laughs> How many parkruns have you done, Ewan? Uh, about nine. Nine? This is your ten. Oh, this is your ten? Yeah. Okay. And what? How many parkruns have you done them all here at Tuggerong? Yeah, I've done one in South Africa. South Africa! What? Which was really tough. International park running <laughs> superstar! <laughs> Where are you at? Cape Town? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. uh, Morgan Bay. Morgan Bay? Awesome. Awesome. Okay, we've got to go, we've got a blockage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, no. Special okay. case got through. Um, what is the hardest part about park run? Uh, hardest challenge you've overcome? Oh, God, getting through it. Getting through it. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks. Have a great day.
What is your favorite thing about being a parkrun volunteer? Or actually being part of parkrun? Um, I like seeing everyone run and how appreciative they are of thank everyone. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you. Aw, oh, see like we're yeah. yeah, lots of thank yous. Cool. I like your rowboats. Yeah, they're a nice, it's a nice view as well. I also like the Kung Fu. Mm, yeah, Kung that's, Fu just, that's good as you run past too. Yeah. All right, well, live long and prosper. May the force be with you. Uh, now we are finishing our time here at Chuggeron Park Run. This beautiful park run day with a beautiful weather, beautiful people, beautiful boats, beautiful kung fu. There's very few things more beautiful than Chuggeron. But we will see you next time when you watch us, or when you listen to us here at Gorilla Tourism at... <laughs> Yes, yes, park run there, action, action man. Thank you so much. I am the K man. Action man, over and out. Indeed, you are. <laughs> Howdy, park runners. Talk reporting in for the Channel Five News crew. Today we've ventured up to sunny Queensland and we're visiting Paradise Point Park Run just north of the Gold Coast. I'm currently standing out on a jetty just before park run starts. It's beautiful up here, water's looking really good. I had a swim yesterday and it's fantastic. Fairly big crowd starting to gather around and uh, it looks like we've got Greta up here so I might grab her shortly and we might have a chat and find a couple to talk to. Cheers guys, enjoy your park run. Parkrunners, I'm here at the end of Paradise Point Park Run, and I'm with the ridiculously good-looking Glenn and Chiaki. Chiaki, you just ran like the wind. You just set a massive PB. Well done. How'd you feel? Thank you. We're in great. You were, how, how much off a of PB was it? Uh, about a minute and a half. A minute and a half. 90 <laughs> seconds off a of PB, and you've come in at that pace. That is huge. 30 seconds. No, no, 90. Yeah. Climb the 90. It, yeah. it sounds better. It sounds much better. And is this the first time you've done Paradise Point? Second time. Second time, so it's a PB on the course as well as an overall yes. park run PB. Yes. And uh, what do you think of the course? It's a beautiful scenery, friendly people, and yeah. Obviously pretty fast if you can yeah. knock 90 seconds off a of PB. Uh, yes. yes. And uh, the out and back bit, how'd you go around that little bridge that goes under the bridge? I think it's great to see other people come and go. Like yeah. you get to see people in different places, which is great. I like that. Yeah, no, it's really good that out and back. You get to see a few people a couple of times, which yeah. is really cool. Everyone's trying their best and it's and great to see. Look, we've come to Queensland and I'm looking out. It's nearly as sunny as Inverloch. It's not quite, you know, Inverloch's sunnier. But I'm looking and seeing clouds coming in. Glenn, you're laughing at that. Uh, come on, you're from Queensland. Stand up for the honour. I'm still saying we're the greatest state. Well, well, I'm a... I'm an expat here, so I'm south of the border. Um, but you're right, mate. The last time I ran an envelope, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And there's clouds here now, so I can't argue with that. Yep, yep. Historical um, evidence proves yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> first time for everything. And I uh, see Scotty's out here today, so we might grab him a bit later, because uh, I'm sure he'll defend the uh, greatest state honour as well. well <laughs> I'm sure he will. But no, it's, um, I, I moved to the Gold Coast 12 months ago, and it's my first time running Paradise Point. Um, certainly worth the wait though. It's a fantastic course. And as Chucky said, with those little out and backs in there, you pretty much see everybody a couple of times yeah. on the course. It's a cracker um, of a so course, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Tom. Hi, Parkrun Adventurers. It's Greta here, and I'm at Paradise Point Parkrun, and I'm here with Anthony. And Anthony, you're the run director today. How are you going? Oh, very well. We've just finished our event here. Had a great morning. Uh, almost 300 runners. Yeah. Uh, on our beautiful flat track Had it's a, great... a big crowd yeah we're we're very lucky we we're, numbers are building each week 
Um, we're, we're getting up to around 300, which is great for the community. Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful morning this morning. The sun is shining. The rain's holding off. Absolutely. We love it. We love a nice day. We've got fair weather athletes here. Yeah. Um, we're like a bit of a cooling breeze, not a headwind. Um, and uh, they've all loved the conditions today. Yeah, yeah. And so is 300 about what the numbers you would get for a park run on a Saturday morning? Uh, for us here, yes. Yeah. Um, we've, we generally between 200 and, and, and uh, 300. Yeah, we've got over 300 a few times. Um, but yeah, we, we enjoy the growth of it. Yeah, it's lovely. And so for the listeners, can you um, uh, tell us a little bit about your course here? We meet at the Paradise Point Parklands uh, every Saturday. We start at 7 o'clock. Uh, we meet near the jetty. Um, uh, the t- tail end of the shops and we run north under the bridges along a boardwalk back along the waterfront and the boardwalk is beautiful i'll just interject there that was lovely yes yeah, a nice we've got a beautiful spot you're running along the water the whole time you've got mangroves we've got boardwalk we've got um clear pathways um it's a beautiful spot really yeah. flat too lovely views of the water absolutely yeah. we're, we're spoilt yeah and then you come back through the start and you sort of go out the other way for a little bit don't you yeah you run north for about um 1.6k then you come back past the start finish line head south for around a k and a half uh, you double back past the finish line and do an extra 250 meters which often uh, causes a few <laughs> sad faces out there but you're running past the start line which is a good psychological battle yeah yeah that's great and how long have you been run director here I've been run director here for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have um, eight run directors. We, we sort of roll it on a, on a two-week-on basis. We take two weeks each. Okay. So I share the role with four others, or three others, I should say. Um, and we, we, we love um, giving back to the community. Yeah. And, ha- and what got you started in Parkrun? Participating first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you start here? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, started at Paradise Point. And most of my runs here, I've done over... 170 I believe something like that but when the opportunity came up to, to help out uh, I took it and I've been run director since yeah great yeah. great and before you started um, running at Parkrun were you a runner? Um, running was um, a big part of my life yes I played other sports as well enjoyed rugby yeah. um, but um, once I started running in triathlons um, it just was a great way to get a, a session with people yeah. uh, it's, it's a lot easier to run with someone than by yourself so it's a tremendous opportunity to, to do that I've made a heap of friends doing that yeah. uh, and I've seen a lot of progress in my running since as well yeah. so it's a great thing on many levels yeah and you've got a fabulous community here lots of people standing around chatting laughing talking it's wonderful definitely we've really built up a good community they, they support the event well we go for a coffee we support the local shops as well um, so it's a real win-win in our opinion great and do you visit other park runs is that sort of part of something that you do or do you find that you're always here um, I definitely visit other park runs when I can yeah. um, I do have work before I get to park runs so it's not right. always uh, that that's simple but I, um, if ever I'm traveling I've done a few I've done, done Tamworth and I've gone to Wales in the UK a few times oh, um, done a few runs over there but most of my ones are here yeah. but I think it's a great idea to go and support other runs uh, and check out other courses and challenge yourself there well I have really enjoyed visiting your park run today Thank you so much for having us. It's been an absolutely wonderful day and thank you for everything that you do for Parkrun. It's our pleasure. Thanks for your support. Thank you. Have a great day. So, Tok, there was a bit of a familiar voice there. I, I, <laughs> I noticed that you happened to be at a couple of events along the way, Bendigo and Paradise Point. Thank you for submitting those roving reports. Good to see that you're still out there adventuring or you have been in recent weeks at any rate.
And it was really cool. We uh, caught up with Greta after catching up with Greta at Mount Barker, um, which is her home run, to catch up with her in Queensland the week later. So it's, that was pretty cool for a couple of the team to get together a few weeks in a row. Yeah, and neither of you in your home state either. That's a proper adventure. And it was also great to hear from K-Man and Action Man when they were at Tuggeranong doing their gorilla adventuring or roving reporting. I I know how it's supposed to be spelt. However, I still can't shake the idea of gorillas doing the reporting out there. So hopefully one day we do get some imagery from the guys and they're in full gorilla outfits because that would absolutely make my day. I think there's got to be a costume in that somewhere. Yeah, well, we're coming into the winter time. And uh, we finished off with Cam and uh, a bit of guess the location work. Good on you, Cam. Cam running at Rockingham. Yeah, always good to hear from the regulars. Speaking of regulars and, and everything being uncertain into the future talk, I mean, who knows what we're going to be chatting about next week. We will be chatting next week, though. I, I would like to let everybody know that. The the pod is here. We're, we're going to be here for you, uh, especially when there's no physical park run to be had. There's going to be a physical podcast, even if you only hear it in your physical ears. I think that would be great too, Mel. Let's, uh, let's keep the contact with everyone and, and keep it rolling along. Let everyone have their little slice of park run without the run. Speaking of adventures talk, because that's what we're always doing, I hope you enjoyed listening back to the live recording of Palm 20 when it got released last week. I certainly enjoyed, well, the edit took a long time, but I, I did I did enjoy, I had a lot of giggles along the way um, reliving, reliving Palm 20, which was just an awesome weekend. And, of course, the recording came from the Saturday morning, so it didn't even encapsulate any of the other freedom runs that happened across the rest of the weekend or the highlight for me, which was the fancy dress dinner on Saturday night. Did you enjoy the episode? Yeah, Mel, that was one of the things I really enjoyed about the episode was just the catch up and probably like when the episode was recording, it seemed to be so quick. It only seemed to take 10 minutes. I know we're there for a while, but it was really great to listen to it and pick up different bits and pieces that happened and the whole weekend, though, it was just meeting those friends at, you know, four different park runs that we ended up doing and going out for breakfast and, you know, managing to fit four meals out together with park runners in a weekend. You know, how, how good's that? It's just one constant park run overload. It was brilliant. And it was really great just to catch up with, with people. I know for myself, there was quite a few, like Janet from South Australia, you know, who I've spoken to her on Facebook quite regularly, and it was just so good to be able to meet her in person. And, you know, she still bounces me messages when I'm on Facebook and tells me off for being on Facebook too much. But, <laughs> you know, just to be able to put in a face to the names and that, it's one of the highlights of it because there are so many great people out there in parkrun world. And we, if you can catch up with them at things like this and just relive those experiences over and over, it's yeah, that no, was a really great weekend. I loved it. Can't wait for next year's Palm 2021. Um, Rumours are that it's going to be somewhere north, but, you know, no dates, no locations unless you want to spill something now, Mel. Uh, a bit early. It'll be in Queensland. It's going to be in Queensland. I can confirm that. So 
we we just scraped it in really this year because uh yeah so if we had been that two weeks later we'd have um no flights border crossings that would be difficult and uh yeah we just got it in in time yeah it would have been a misadventure big time and how great was it to get that weekend in without the all the corona overlay over the top to be able to get it in have a great relaxing time with friends before all this hit it was brilliant yes we've been very fortunate and i've you know what i i realized when i was editing and um i didn't pop it in because i didn't want to take away from the live recording but it would be remiss of me not to mention it this week i thanked a massive bunch of people at the end of the pod um who had contributed to either the morning or the whole weekend or the podcast itself over you know the last six months as it were and i completely forgot to thank scotty (laughs) whoops no scotty uh thanks buddy that's here's your thank you now i'm i'm sorry you probably noticed that it was absent the fact that i just didn't thank you you're probably sitting there just waiting for it waiting waiting no well maybe it'll be after this guy no maybe it'll be after this lady no sorry about that uh yeah, it, it was a big weekend and I did make notes so I wouldn't forget anyone and you were the most obvious person, which is probably why I forgot you. So I'm sorry and I didn't mean to and thank you. And how good was it that Scotty just happened to rock up with a wireless headset? I know, right? Like it was, it was meant pocket. to be. <laughs> <laughs> and how good is it to hear his voice on the pod again too? That was great. Yeah. yeah, it always it always brings a smile to my face when he can yeah. cameo. Uh, hopefully it's not going to be too long before he might pop back in. Who knows? Who knows? I did, you know, as you will have noticed, he is difficult to work with. What can you do? Uh, but, yes, next year it will be in Queensland. And certainly I hope we are going to be well and truly clear of this whole COVID-19 malarkey and that – The world will find a new normal, a new happier normal by then, and lots and lots of adventurers can come and celebrate with us. And that'd be great to see a a whole whole new crew as well as the old crew there too, because it it is a really great opportunity to have that, you know, basically a three day park run. And how good's that? Instead of park run being that two hours in the morning, or if you happen to be at Mount Gambia where their park run seems to go till two in the afternoon uh, at the local bakery. Yeah, how good is it that we can get park run in three days? Certainly not uh, too much. You can't have too much park run of a weekend, in my opinion. No, not at all. Not at all. And you can't <laughs> have too many adventures either. Talk, thank you for joining me on the pod this week. It was lovely once again to have a chat to you. It is always lovely to have a chat to you. Yeah, no, it's been great to have a chat, Mel, and I look forward to the next one.